0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I've been gone for the last three weekends. Maybe you have too, and you didn't even know that. Uh, It feels weird to be gone any weekend, but isn't it incredible that every time I'm gone, we have Pastors Parnell, Pastor Matt, and Pastor Brian covering in. Can we all agree they did a great job? such extraordinary teachers such passionate men of god and able to expound the word in such a great way and i also heard that uh pastor parnell he sang again didn't he yeah that makes everyone else look like we're all just pretending doesn't it All the rest of the pastor's weak sauce, but when Pastor Parnell comes in and starts singing, woo, things start changing. So I'm so thankful uh, for all those gentlemen that covered in for me. I am back in the pulpit until I go out to lead the trip to Uganda. I'm going to be leading that on, uh, let's see, July 25th, we take off, and then we're going to be gone for a couple weeks, and then I'm back in the pulpit when I get back. So just giving you an idea about where I'm going to be uh once again it doesn't matter whether i'm here or not it's been so neat to see the faithfulness even throughout the summer the idea that a lot of you have vacation breaks but you've been really consistent and it's been wonderful so thank you very much for your faithfulness in that area we are going to need all the time that we have to dive into god's word take out your bibles if you don't have one there should be one under the seat in front of you and please take out the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door And we can begin. We are in part eight of our Purpose Reclamation Project Series. That is our 2017 version of going through the book of Ezra line by line. And so I'm going to draw your attention to the fill in the blank here in a moment, but I want to give you a couple thoughts as we begin. Can we all agree that we serve an abundantly blessing God? Yes? Yes, we serve an abundantly blessing God. And that's really what we've been talking about and singing about this whole first portion of the service Pouring back to god god. You are good god. You are good god. You are good Thank you lord for all the great things that you've done throughout the entire week And now we're about about to kind of dive into god's word and let him pour out even more blessings so we can praise him throughout the week, but we indeed serve an abundantly Blessing god and the reason why this is important is that we're about to read a story where after 60 years of hardship, God is going to bring in abundant blessing to Israel. They really need some reinforcement, some encouragement, some strengthening, and he's about to do so in a supernatural and crazy intense way. But lest some of us hear a story of abundant blessing and go, man, I'm getting ripped off, right? Because Man, everyone else seems to be blessed. I hear all these stories and everybody on Facebook is like, oh, we got this, we got that. And and you're going, I didn't get anything. I feel like God's holding out on me, right? Maybe you feel a little bit left out. I would like to change our perspective this morning to see that we are indeed abundantly blessed whether we recognize it or not. So I'm going to kind of go through a couple analogies that might shift the mode. I'll give you a couple of stories. Y'all remember this uh, super heat wave we just had, right? That's That burned into your mind, didn't it, right? All right, in that heat wave, I mean, we were hitting stuff like 114. It was crazy. It was like Mars hot, right? Well, in that time, um, whether you know it or not, my older daughter just, you know, she started driving. Beware, yes. So she started She started driving, we have an older vehicle for her. Well, the air went out on her car during that heat wave. Well, the challenge there, it was so sad because she went in this cute little sundress to go hang out with her buddies. She had to, on their way from going from the restaurant, just to go to a friend's house, she had to come home and change because she had completely sweated through the entire sundress, just trying to go from one place to another. It was terrible, right? If you have air conditioned in your car, you're blessed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, so if you're going to be going home and you can hit that little air button and it works, you are a blessed person. The uh, same heat wave, that same 114 degree day, our home AC went out. Now, I can tell you this because I looked at the clock at 11.30 p.m. that night, Even my wife and daughters, they all went downstairs. Can you know heat rises? They went downstairs. They're on mattresses on the ground. I was like, I'm not going, right? So I stayed upstairs. The fans going like crazy. It was 98 degrees at 1130 p.m. at our house. I mean, it was just insane, right? And this this buddy of mine here at church, um, I, I ended up getting in contact and he found out that my AC went out. And so uh, he called me up and he's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, well, dude, I YouTubed it and I think I know the problem, right? <laughs> right, and so I had gone to three different stores trying to find the part because I was sure I had it nailed. And now this is nice. Luckily, the guy on YouTube said, uh, warning, Please don't do this. You'll electrocute yourself, right? I mean, so thankfully he said that, and I was taking a lot of precautions. So after three stores of looking for the part, I realized unless you have a license, you can't buy that part, right? So I was like, oh, okay, so they're trying to stop stupid people like me from electrocuting themselves. All right. Well, he said, well, hey, he works in the HVAC uh, industry until he said, you know what? I have a part. I can drive over there right now. And it was a half hour away. He drives over and he goes, let's see if your YouTube guy's right. And he pops it in and the air turns on and that sweet, beautiful air starts <laughs> coming into the house, right? It took a full day. He's like, well, it takes about an hour a degree, right? To re-get it going again. Well, man. Woo. Let me just tell you this. If you have an AC in your house that works, you're abundantly blessed. All right. These are things you may not have written down, right? You didn't even recognize how blessed you really were. Let me give you another example. So I've been doing really, really good on the anxiety piece. And you all know my story and I've been doing good for a couple years, just a couple of blips here and there. Wednesday, I just got flattened. It was so bad. It was, I had achiness. I had, I was feeling sick to my stomach the entire day. It was terrible, right? Just really, really crippling bad anxiety. That night, I took some extra meds. I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and I felt awesome because I just felt normal. Now, let me just share this with you. If you've ever been healed from a chronic pain, you know normal is awesome. Can you, can you agree with me? Right? If you feel normal today, you're abundantly blessed. Because if you have chronic pain, you know how horrible it is every day that you feel pain throughout your body. And just being normal is a blessing from God. I mean, I could sit there and go down. If you have family at all, if you're going, man, it's hard to navigate trying to go to this person and my friends, and my family. If you have friends and family, you are abundantly blessed. So once again, as we launch into this, I need us to see how blessed We are. You may not recognize it until now, but I want you to think of all the tiny things that God has done for you over and over and over. May we be full in our hearts, not grumblers or complainers. May we be the people that go, God, I saw that, I saw that, I saw that. May you have praise for that. He shouldn't get ripped off for that. Let me just say this. When you begin with the idea that God owes you nothing, everything is a blessing. Yeah. When you get out of the idea that you deserve more, we begin to see the abundance that's truly being poured out. But let me also caution you on this. We not just have an abundantly blessing God, we have a wise and loving father. And what that means is that he knows when another blessing will spoil or enable you. And he is not going to do that. I would suggest to you, and this is just speculation, but I would suggest to you that it is possible that all the children of God in this room or that can hear my voice, you may well be living at the max blessing that you can receive right now. There are certain reasons why he may not be able to bless you further. There may be a season where he's trying to withhold in order to change some things or adjust some things. You may be, be built into character right now and going through hard times and a blessing would ruin that i'm just telling you that your loving father knows what you need when you need it therefore as opposed to god holding out maybe he's doing the kindest thing to you let me talk about ice cream for a moment (laughs) this last week i went to ice cream twice why because i have two daughters and i can So therefore, I went with my first daughter. I went with Jill, and I knew that she was going to get gold medal ribbon, right? She's like her mom. So we went to Baskin-Robbins. So we went to Baskin-Robbins. Now, I always, every time I go to Baskin-Robbins, ever since I was a little kid, I always get the same thing. I get two scoops on a sugar cone, and it is on the bottom, mint chocolate chip. On the top, it is peanut butter and chocolate. Why? Because you need the richness at the beginning, and then you got to end and cleanse the palate with something minty. Yes, this is why you came to church. Yes, that's free of cost. All right, here we go. Now I went there and I, and I hung out with with my daughter and we got a chance to get some ice cream and she got hers. Well, then two days later, of course, I didn't want Andy to feel left out. So we went and I got the exact same thing and then she got her stuff. Now I want I wanted to just say this, that the blessing that my girls had was not the ice cream, but that they have a dad who would go to get ice cream with them. You understand what I mean? Because ice cream for a day is one thing, but having a loving dad who would say, listen, the ice cream's just an excuse. The ice cream is just a treat. It was just supposed to make you smile. I know it's gonna go away real fast, but we're together all the time. I want us to always remember that the blessing isn't the stuff. The blessing is the God who brings the stuff. We are blessed people because we have contact with the almighty. We have contact with a loving father who at all times has his eyes out. I'm always trying to think about what would my girls like? What would bless them? But I also realize and I'm wise enough as a dad that I'm not going to give them the four scoops. (laughs) You all know what I mean? Now, uh, they're wise enough to go, man, I could probably have one scoop, right? And I'm the little pig that has a two scoop. But the idea is, if I give them four scoops, let's say they were younger, and they're like, man, can I have all the ice cream? Well, then all of a sudden, they're sick to their stomach. They're pinging off the walls. Everything's going wrong. What started out as a blessing turned out to not be a blessing because it was too much of a good thing, right? There's a reason why God can't overly bless you in certain areas because it's going to take the goodness out of it and leave it to be nasty and yucky. So we are blessed people. I want to reiterate that over and over and over. But I also want to share this. When we align with God, his blessings can more easily flow into our lives. When we align with God, his blessings can flow more easily into our lives. What am I talking about? Let me give you a practical and then we'll work backwards. Practically speaking, let's say God gives you a blessing of a new job. Let's say you're a young man and you've been struggling to find work, you get a job. The problem is, is that your buddies call you on Wednesday and they said, dude, we're all going out to the lake. And you said, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you knew that they all do weed and you've been trying to kind of leave that stuff behind. But sure enough, you're at the the lake and you decide to have a little bit yourself. And you get up to work the next day and you're feeling clear-headed, but they decide to do random drug testing. You just lost your job. God had a blessing for you and you moved out of alignment with him and it screwed up the blessing. He was trying to keep that blessing flowing and you ruined it. God gives you a relationship that's supposed to be a consistent flowing blessing and then you fall into selfishness, you become a jerk and all of a sudden you end up and your relationship is garbage. You misaligned with God and now God can't keep blessing you in that area. Let's talk about water fights. Y'all been in water fights, yeah? Come on, water fights are an American tradition. You gotta know how to do water fights, right? Right? So here's how water fights goes. Everybody tends to start organized, right? Everyone goes, "Okay, okay, time out, time out." Let's all fill up our, wa- you know, our water balloons, and you get them all organized. The minute you launch your first volley, chaos ensues. Yeah. So what happens is the minute you get done with all your first start, you got to get back to the spigot as fast as you can, but you only have split seconds to fill up and completely get out of the way. Like you're running away, but you have to have enough so that you can unleash that fury on your sister. You know what I mean? Y'all tracking with me? So you don't want to just get a little bit fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this. You get more water under the spout. You get more water under the spout. We all know how water fights go. You get all the way under the spout. Why? You only got split seconds to get that stuff in there. You do not want to miss any of that goodness. So you fill all the way up and then you run and you attack and you got to get back under there. Get underneath the spout, right? It doesn't matter whether or not you're cooking something for dinner and you got to have the bucket all or the pan all the way under the spout. Why? That's how all that water can get in there. When we are aligned with God, all the water is caught. When we're squirreling out, doing our own thing, building our own kingdom, living for ourselves, He can't even get His blessing down in us because we keep messing up and moving around. Alignment matters with God. We're going to talk at the end of the message about why God's kindness kind of makes it a little confusing. But make no mistake, alignment matters. God's got more for you. When we are misaligned, there are consequences and there is correction. All right, now maybe some of you have been to every part of this series. We're in part eight. Maybe you've been to parts one through seven. If not, let me give you a real quick recap. Israel messed up. They got booted out of their land. After 70 years, God restored them and said, you guys can go back home. And they led through Zerubbabel and Yeshua, two guys. They led about almost 50,000 Jews back into the land. That was 60 years before what we're going to read right now. 60 years ago, this first wave goes back. And they knew that if you're going to do anything great in your life, you got to begin with God. So they started with the altar. They started with rebuilding the temple. But it has now been 60 years, and it's been brutal. They got stopped in their work. They got frustrated. They got bad guys coming after them, and they're all tired. 60 years they've been working on this. And God's going to tap the shoulder of a guy named Ezra and go, Hey, I need you to bring reinforcements to my people. Bring in the cavalry. Bring in all the backup, bring in all the cash, bring in an influx of resources, fresh legs, fresh spirit. I need you to go in and encourage my people. 60 years. You know, I want to remind you that if I wrote down your story as a child of God, it would sound just like a Bible story. We misread these. We read through them and we go, oh, it went from blessing to blessing to blessing. No, it did not. There's decades in between. And we are like, oh, my life has been so hard for three years. Three years? About 60. That's a long time, right? But this Bible story still talks about the goodness of God. It talks about his restoration. I know it didn't happen as fast as you want it. I know it didn't happen as fast as they wanted it. They didn't want to have to wait 60 years to get reinforcements. It would have been nice to have them every six months. But God knows what they needed. And so we pick up this story with Ezra being called. Let's see how he handles it. By the way, 14 years from Ezra's story, Nehemiah is going to roll into town. So if you ever know the, the order of things, it went that first wave. Ezra's the second wave. Nehemiah is the third wave. They're all spaced out. All right, let's go ahead and pick it up. Ezra chapter 7 verse 1. It's page 393. Ezra chapter 7 verse 1. It says, now after this, now after 60 years, in the reign of Artaxerxes I, the king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, that's our guy. Ezra, the son of Sariah. Oh, his dad's name is Sariah? That's awesome. Nope. Real quick, just look at verses one through six. Scan them with your eyes. What do you see there? A bunch of weird names. My favorite are in verse four, there's Uzzie and Bucky. Could be Uzi and Buki. Either way, it's dumb, yeah? Why are these in here? As a matter of fact, there's 16 names. Who are these people? Is it really son of, son of, son of? Is his dad really named Sariah? No. Sariah died 148 years before Ezra. It's not his dad. What is it? It's a descendant. When you see son of, it means descendant of. What's his point? He's like, dude, look at the last name on the list. Moses' brother, Aaron, first priest, legit priest. All Ezra's saying is, dude, I could name them all. You want me to talk about them? I can name all of them for you, but I only name the 16 that you can recognize. You all know Uzzy and Bucky, so I'm going to mention them. All the other ones you don't care about, but I'm going to mention 16 of them to let you know I know my lineage. I am a legit priest. I have the paperwork, and I can prove it. So when I come in and tell you what to do on God's behalf, you need to know I'm real. That's why those names are there. He has to be legit. All right? So we're just going to kind of pass through those. Let's move on. It says, this Ezra, verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylonia. Now, he was a scribe. That means he was educated. He could read and write. He was a scholar. In the New Testament... The scribes were called rabbis. So if he was in Jesus' day, he'd be a rabbi. But he's not. He's old school, so he's called a scribe. We all on the same page? And it says he was skilled in the law of Moses, or all the Jewish laws, that the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel, had given to his people. And the king of Persia granted Ezra all that he asked for, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. He was under the hand of God. That's cool, right? Let me me tell you how I look at it. The God's hand of blessing was there, the hand of strength, the hand that creates, the hand that sustains, the hand that encourages, the hand that gets stuff done, yeah? The hand of God was on him, and he got everything that he asked for. Man, that favor of God would be awesome, right? Let me share a story that I've shared with you once before, but I believe that it is atmosphere building so i'm going to share it with you again many years ago i read uh, a book from a guy named leonard ravenhill leonard ravenhill was a fiery preacher he's passed away now and you know if you read his stuff he has an incredibly quotable cool stuff he talks a lot about prayer a lot of it's really really good some other stuff he's kind of a jerk to be honest with you and so once again eat the fish throw the bones you all know what i'm talking about Oh, Pastor Land said he loves everything Leonard Ravenhill wrote. No, no, there's great stuff in there, but you also have to filter and sift. That's called being a mature believer, right? So we take the good stuff and we chuck out the bad stuff. All right. So Leonard Ravenhill wrote this book called Why Revival Tarries, meaning, Why Are We Not Getting the Revival We So Desperately Desire? Spoiler alert it's because we don't pray. There you go. If you want to read the book, his whole bottom line is we're not a praying people. So why would we expect that God would unleash upon us? We keep complaining about it, but we're certainly not willing to pray about it. Whatever happened to the age, he would say, where we were all in the basement praying day and night for God to move. We just show up to church and expect him to roll. In one of the chapters, he said something that caught my attention, mostly because I didn't understand what the word meant. It's a little old school, the way he writes. He said, with all thy getting, get unction. I didn't understand what unction was, so I had to go to the dictionary and look it up. Here's what he meant. The anointing of God. He said, with everything you have, you have to have the anointing of God, because if anything is going to get done in this world, it's going to be done by God. And if his anointing is not upon you, if his power is not moving in your life, if the Holy Spirit is not in his presence, magnified, glorified, intensified, then nothing legit is going to happen. He said, so however you need to be a God chaser, however you need to run after the Lord, because You can't manipulate it. You can't fake it. You can't demand it. All you can do is align and ask for it. Y'all following me? With everything you've got, you need the hand of God upon you. And I think that's what this is talking about. It's what I've always chased after. It's what I want for our church. It's what I want for my life. I want to be that with the hand of God on me as a dad, the hand of God on me as a husband, the hand of God on me as a man why it's the only thing that matters if god is with us we're good once again you can't force that you can't fake that either god is with you or he's not so right here it says that the hand of god was upon ezra and he got everything that he needed Hmm. all right let's pick up verse 7 And also along with Ezra going back to Jerusalem, there went up also to Jerusalem in the seventh year of 458 BC of Artaxerxes I, the king who reigned for 40 years. With Ezra, some of the people of Israel and some of the priests and the Levites and the singers and the gatekeepers and the temple servants, these are the reinforcements. There's going to be about 4,000 of them. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month called Av, Now, most scholars believe that was August 4th, 458 BC. He left in the first month, ended in the fifth month. Why? Because it was a 900-mile journey. And I don't know if you've ever gone on a walk with 4,000 people, it's slow. It took four months to get there. Normally, if you could drive it, it would be 500 miles. But because you have to go around the Arabian desert, it's 900 miles. All you're seeing right here with this little, the month of this and the month of that and all that, it just says, and he led 4,000 people on a 900-mile walk that took four months. But anyway, they got there. Why? For the good hand of his God was on him. Verse 10. Why is the good hand of God on him? Well, we could just say maybe God's being nice. But the Bible links it to something here. Verse 10, why is the hand on him? For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of Yahweh and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Alignment, blessing. Ezra said i'm going to be a man of the word And i'm not just going to know it I'm going to do it And i'm not just going to know it and do it i'm going to teach it This is indeed the very same thing that swells in my heart Ezra and I have this in common ever since I was a little kid The bible's been a big deal to me. It was one of the only things in this world that I believe are true So I hang on to it and I use it as an anchor And so I set my heart to know it and then to do it. 50% of the problem is that people don't know the word of God. The other 50% is no one's doing anything with it, right? And different churches wrestle with different things. Bridgeway is one of those churches where we spend all of our time learning it. Our heads are full. Our hearts are weak. Our feet aren't doing anything. That's a problem, Then there's churches out there that have no idea what in the world is in the word of God, but they're out doing tons of stuff How about we all get together as the family of God? We'll bring in what we got in the word of God They can bring in what they've got about living it out and actively doing it And maybe we'll have a healthy balanced church. Y'all know what i'm talking about? Man, that's what we want. Yeah, praise god So we want to make sure that we are balancing it out, that we know the word, but we're also doing the word. And those that do not know it, can we teach it to them? Can we share it? Because he lined up with all of this, God said, man, you're right under the spout. I can pour so much stuff into you. And the hand of God was upon him. You know what's so great about Ezra's calling? I think it should be the case with all of us. Ezra was a gifted man. Ezra had the ability to be educated. As a matter of fact, he probably had a pretty good gig in Babylon. Babylon. Why? Because he knew how to read and write. He was smart, trained in the universities. He probably was pretty wealthy. But he didn't just sit back and be that guy. He knew that any gift from God is to be shared. So he used all of his gift and calling and talent to bless other people. So let me ask you this, what are you doing with your gifts and talents? What are you doing with what God gave you? Are you using it for the kingdom or is it still about you primarily? We've got to be about the kingdom. The gifts of the spirit, all of them, healings and prophecy and administration and helps, they're all to edify the body. So whatever you got in your pockets, we might need to be able to share. We might need to be able to say, God gave this so that your life is better, not just my life. Are we doing that? Because that's what Ezra did. He could have just hung out there. He risked everything, went 900 miles away, went into a poor place and set up shop and started changing for the kingdom of God. Incredible. All right, well, it's pretty dangerous to go out there and do that. So he needed some backup. Here we go, verse 11. God helped him out this way. This is the copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes I gave to Ezra the priest, the scribe, a man learned in matters of the commandments of Yahweh and his statutes for Israel. And here's what it said, verse 12. Artaxerxes, king of kings. You go, ooh, that's a hardcore name, Right? King of Kings. What? What are you talking about? Now, for him, it's more practical. I know it sounds awkward. That's like, hello, my name is Lance on I'm the pastor of pastors. And you're like, are you really, you jerk, right? But for them, it's more practical, right? So he literally is the king that has dominated other kings. But as long as they're in power, he is the king over kings. So he's a king of kings. It's pretty basic. No, I'm not saying he wasn't arrogant and taking on that title. I'm just saying it is real. What rubs us wrong is we realize that there is one who is truly the king of kings. Who's that? Jesus Jesus Christ. That's right. He is the only one that we would say is truly the king of kings. So anyone else that takes that title feels weird, right? You're like, you are not, right? Okay. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra, the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, peace to you. And now I make a decree that any one of the people of Israel or their priests or Levites that are in my Babylon kingdom, my Persian kingdom, who freely offers to go to Jerusalem, they can go with you. Ezra, go ahead and collect everybody you got. Feel free to take whoever you want, for you are sent by the king and his seven counselors to make inquiries about Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God, which is in your hand. All right. As I, be, as I continue to read, you're going to be misled to believe that artaxerxes is a believer that he's a god guy you're going after what you hear in a moment you're going to go no way this guy's a jew this guy is all in with yahweh he is not this is a pagan king he's the king of persia he's dominated many people groups So why in the world is his heart set to help the Jewish people? You're like, well, Lance, in a prior message, if you remember, you told us that that was his way of doing things. He earned the hearts of the people by supporting their gods and letting them go back home. And and that way they wouldn't riot against him. You're right. I did say that. But when you see what this guy is willing to do, it's not normal. There is such extreme favor going on here. Why do I keep pointing this out? Because God's in control of everybody. Hmm. Let's just read a little bit and I'll tell you more. Here we go, verse 15. He said, by the way, Ezra, not only can you take whoever you want, but also I need you to carry the silver and gold that the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. With all the free will gifts of silver and gold that you're going to find in the whole province of Babylonia, and the free will offerings of the people and the priests vowed willingly for the house of their God that's in Jerusalem. All right, what did he just say? Hey, Ezra, I'm going to give you tons of cash. Anybody that you get support from around this place, you go ahead and get all that together too. All right, because a lot of people, they don't want to go live in Jerusalem, but they want to support you. So they're going to give you lots of money. I need you to gather all that stuff. And with this money, verse 17, with this money, then you shall with all diligence buy stuff to honor your God, bulls, rams, and lambs with their grain offerings and their drink offerings. And you shall offer them on the altar of the house of your God that is in Jerusalem. And whatever seems good to you and your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and gold left over, you may do according to the will of your God. Oh, and the vessels that have been given to you from the service of the house of your God, the ones that, I mean, Cyrus gave you most of them, but there's a few left over if you want to take those. You shall deliver those before the God of Jerusalem. Hmm. And whatever else is required of the house of your God, your temple, that falls to you to provide, you can provide it out of the king's treasury. All right, let's pause right there. <laughs> That's insane. Hey, man, I got tons of stuff for you and anything else you need, go ahead and put it on my tab. Pagan king. Pagan king not a Jewish king, pagan king, restoring Israel. This is intense. Now, do you want to know how big the blessing is? Let's keep reading. Here we go. And I, Artaxerxes the king, make a decree to all my treasurers, all the Persian treasurers that live where Ezra's going in the province beyond the river Euphrates. Hey guys, whatever ezra the priest the scribe of the law of god of heaven requires of you Whatever he wants. Let it be done with diligence Do it. Well do it fast. Oh, but guys there is a cap Right, I mean, obviously he's not the king. He can't completely deplete persia So I want to tell you a little bit about what i'm willing to give to this guy This is in writing you ready Let it be done with diligence Up to 100 talents of silver. You know how much 100 talents of silver is? Four tons. Four tons of silver is quite a bit of silver. I don't even know what to do with that. 6,000 gallons of wheat, 600 gallons of wine, 600 gallons of oil, and salt as much as you want. Look at verse 23. Whatever is decreed by the God of heaven, let it be done in full. For the house of the God of heaven... Lest his wrath be against the realm of me, the king, and my sons. Hmm. Couple things. Number one, did you see the, some of the motivation on what's behind this? But even then, it's extreme. The king, this pagan king, is saying, hey, I'm going to hedge my bets here, <laughs> right? So your king, uh, your God, might be awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and give a bunch of stuff and make sure that your God likes me, right? And that way everything seems to go well for me. I'm a pretty superstitious religious guy. So let's make sure that all the gods like me. I want things to go well. But look at how much he gave. Here's the other thing. Who's the king? He's the king of what nation? Persia. What's modern day Persia? Iran. Iran Iran is rebuilding Israel. How often is that going to happen? It is just as unlikely then as it would be right now. They were enemies. That's why they're taken over. Hey, there you go. And yet the king of Persia, his heart is moved by God to bring them blessings and not just a little bit of blessings to overly abundantly bless and set them up. That's crazy. Why? I want you to put this one in your mind. You ready? Ready? God owns the money even in the pockets of people that don't like him. Y'all following me? Here's why it matters to you. If you have a need, there will never be a day when your heavenly father will go, I'm a little light this month. He always has resources. You don't always have them. They're not supposed to be in your pocket. They're in somebody else's pocket. You're going to look around. You're going to go, there's no way God can do this. There's always a way. Because God owns everything. He owns everybody. If he wants to turn the heart of somebody that is least likely, he can do that. And if it doesn't exist, he can create it from nothing. He always has resources. Well, how come he's not kicking more down to me? (laughs) Probably because of that attitude. God can... Fulfill what you need from the least likely sources. How many of you, quick show of hands, I've did this in the last two services. How many of you, quick show of hands, have ever had unexpected money show up? Raise your hands. Look around you. Happens every time. I would say, what, one-fifth of us just raised our hands or more? Here's the miracle of it. Wasn't the timing a little odd? Odd. You're like, I needed it here. Oh, and it happened to show up just then. There was a time when Susie and I were in a tough spot in the past and the government got in contact with us and said, we took too much taxes in the past. Can we pay you retroactively? (laughs) If God can move the IRS, (laughs) God can move anybody. Y'all following me? (laughs) <laughs> God knows how to get you what you need. There's never a limitation on Him. Please don't ever pray with a heart of saying, I don't know if God can do this. God can always do this. The question is, will it be good for you as His child or not? Because if it's not going to be good for you, He probably won't do it. Hmm. He said, a couple of things, uh, verse 24. We also want to notify all our Persian treasury leaders over there in Israel that it shall not be lawful to impose tribute, custom, or toll on any one of these Jewish priests, the Levites, the singers, the doorkeepers, the temple servants, or other servants in the house of God. Hey, not only am I going to give you money, but by the way, all clergy is excluded from tax. All right, what king cuts out tax on an oppressed people? Verse 25, and you, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God that is in your hand, meaning God's law, the Bible, I need you to appoint leaders, magistrates, and judges who will judge over all the people in the province beyond the river, all the ones that know the laws of your God. And those who don't know them, you need to teach them. A pagan king said, oh, by the way, when you set up all your leadership in your land, make sure they know the Bible because only leaders that know the Bible are good leaders. And if they don't know it, it's your job to make sure they know it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every leader of America knew and lived the Word of God? Whoa, come on. Verse 26, whoever will not obey the law of your God, the law of the king, me, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or banishment or confiscation of his goods or imprisonment. Ezra, I'm putting you in charge. Make sure it gets done. You got the whole weight of my empire behind you. And then Ezra responds in the first person for the first time in his book. He reflects on how incredible this is. Verse 27, blessed be Yahweh, the God of our fathers, who put such a crazy thing as this into the heart of a pagan king to beautify the house of Yahweh that is in Jerusalem. And blessed be the God who extended to me his steadfast love in front of the king, in front of his counselors, in front of all the king's mighty officers. And because of all this blessing, I took courage. I gained confidence for the hand of Yahweh. My God was on me. So I gathered up leading men from Israel to go with me. All right. So what does that mean? God is always looking for ways to bless you. God is always looking for ways. I want our eyes to be open all week long. What is he doing? What is he doing? What is he doing? How is he trying to bless us? He is a blessing God, but we also bless him. Did you see that? blessed be the god have you ever heard that old song bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name you know that song okay that's good sing it i ain't parnell come on now man when i do it the blessing just goes right out of the room you know what i mean if i just started saying "woo," that'd be terrible you'd be like i feel so unblessed right okay how do we bless the lord how do you bless the Lord? The word bless means give somebody something that they desire or would be good for them. What is, God is so hard to shop for. He has everything, <laughs> doesn't he? Well, let me, let me just say it this way. Maybe some of you are wealthy enough in this room to be art collectors. There are art collectors in the world, right? And they can grab things like a Van Gogh or the, a Picasso, things like that. And they could spend incredible money on some of the best artwork in the entire world. But I can tell you this, the one piece that's not in your collection is the one yet that your kindergartner is going to finger paint. And I don't care how much money you got, you can't get that one. That's a one of a kind. Why? Because they haven't done it yet. And when they make it for you, is it going to look like the rest of them? No, but it's going to be more special than the rest of them, and it's going to go on your fridge. Do you understand that when we bless the Lord, we're supposed to give them what we got? Do we have fancy stuff? We do not. But we have our stuff. And our stuff is different than everything else he can buy out there. And so what we have is our attention. Are we giving him our attention or are we always distracted every time we're in his presence? Do we have our praise? Yes. Do we give him our praise? Do we give him our worship? What can you give God back? But that's how you bless the Lord. Anytime you sing any song like that, bless the Lord means give him what you got. Man, when I was growing up, this is back in the day where we made ashtrays. Anybody remember making ashtrays? (laughs) Dude, I made an ashtray for my mom. My parents don't smoke. They never smoked. (laughs) It was hideous. It was just, I don't even know what was going on. And I was making ashtrays. What? What did they say when they got it? Oh, honey, this is so sweet. And they meant it. Why? Because I made it. They're never going to use it. I made it. And it was their child. When you sing out, you're going to go, man, I should probably keep quiet when we're all singing because I'm really not that good and blah, blah, blah but it's you do you understand that's what you have so you sing out to your lord and you tell the lord what is so great about him and he loves that gift that's how you bless the lord he said "And when i saw all that god had done i took courage man my heart got stronger and i felt like we can do this why can we do it do you understand that courage means there's fear if there's no fear it's not courage anymore It may be bravery, but it's not courage. Courage means you are afraid. The minute fear goes away, it disappears, and it's not courage anymore. He said, I took courage. Why? Because what he was doing was scary. But he said, if I see the hand of God with me, I can do it. Because if God's with me, who cares who's against me? We can do this, right? And so I grabbed some other people because the greatest ministry is done with other people. And I grabbed some other people, and we went and did it. And the rest is history. Can I have the prayer team come on up here? we're going to close this out. Here's uh, two, I have two points. First point is this God's kindness makes things confusing. Why? Because God is really nice and gives presence to screw ups. That's why we're all here. Y'all following me? Okay. God is super nice to Yahoo's So the problem with that is that we look back at our life and we go, well, I got stuff when I was doing right things and I got stuff when I was doing bad things. It doesn't matter the way I live. You are incorrect. Here's why. Yes, God was nice to you when you were screwing up. Here's what you missed. There's more. There is a blessing of being aligned with God that he can shower down a different type of blessing. Do you want that blessing? Of course you do. So as we align with the Lord, we don't just get his free will kindness gifts. We also give the blessing of living the right life. How we live matters. Second thing, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to pray that this altar is anointed and these prayer team members are anointed to continue the work that God began. And so here's how it's all going to go and I'm going to share a story and then we'll pray. In a moment, I'm going to ask you, some of you to stand. And here's who, with our hearts full, knowing that we are abundantly blessed people. We've already talked about you receiving gifts that you didn't even remember. Air condition, squishy chairs, right? Family and friends, any semblance of health, stuff like that. So you already know that you're blessed and you're full. But there's also some needs that you're allowed to bring to your father and say, Lord, this is not just simply a selfish thing. Or maybe it is, but God, I can't do anything about it. No people can help me. You're the only one that can help me. In a moment, I'm going to have you stand if you have a need like that. Because I'm going to pray for you then we're gonna pray that there's also breakthrough up here at the altar. But before we do that, I wanna share something with you. I told everyone yesterday in the messages to be paying attention to subtleties that God may be doing something in your life in an abundant blessing way. And I said, even in your dreams. Well, last night I had a dream. Now I dream every night. Uh, My wife does not dream very often. She also dreams in black and white unless it's a God dream. She dreams in color. It's very unusual. So she does not dream very often. I dream vividly multiple times every night. So having a dream is not that unusual for me. However, after saying that and having a dream and waking up in the morning, it all kind of clicked and I went, well, that's super weird. I always have weird dreams, but this one, I almost feel like this was a God thing. So I'm gonna share it with you. And if it blesses you, praise God. Because it may be a setup for God to bless you today. Here's, here's the dream. It's, I'm going to keep it quick. <laughs> you do not want the details. It's weird. <laughs> and remind you, I do not drink alcohol at night. Okay, anyway. <laughs> All right, so this is, not, this is not like I was lit. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, in my dream, uh, I had a gash uh, almost like it got ripped open on my side. Now, I don't know why it was on this side. That's not even where it is. But what happened was my liver, my liver fell out. <laughs> now, he was super little, all right? So I didn't have a big old liver. I had a little baby one. My little baby liver, boop it all fell out, right? And the whole dream, it was a super long dream of me going into surgery and getting my liver put back in. And then I woke up to the song by Blue Oyster Colt called Don't Fear the Reaper." I told you guys, this is not like a flashback. It's not, everyone's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now here's what's fascinating about it. And you're like, dude, you just haven't dreamed. I get it. I get it. But here's my point. So I was sharing with uh, my prayer partner this morning and I said, hey, I don't know what's going on with the dream, but I don't know if that's for the, for someone. I don't know if that's for the, the congregation. First thing she says. She goes, you know, your liver is a vital organ. You can't live without it. It's the thing that sifts all the bad stuff in your body. It is a critical part of you. So to lose that is to lose everything. But to have it restored means that you're going to be okay. And I said, and when I heard that song, it was don't be afraid of death. Whatever just happened to you, whatever gash came in, it came in and stole something from you. And something terrible, uh, something terrible happened. And it allowed all of your hope and your filter and your joy to fall out. But God put it back in and he restored you. So please don't be afraid. So that's what I heard. So what I want to do is in that spirit, I want to pray because I believe it's a message not for one person. I believe it's a message for our congregation. If you have a need that mankind cannot solve for you, would you please stand? Give a significant need that you would like prayer for. Please stand. I'm going to pray that God would abundantly meet this need. And for some of you, that he would restore that which was ripped out of your body. Okay? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we trust you and we believe you. Heavenly Father, you're the good dad that sorts all the requests. But Lord, we're standing because people can't fix us anymore that which we've been crying out and crying out and crying out to you. We've been talking to you about it over and over. We're asking right now, Lord, how about today? How about healing today? How about restoration today? God, some of us have lost family members and we feel like something got ripped out of us. Some of us have lost jobs and we have no finance. We have fear for the future and we have fear today. Some of us, Lord, are completely lost in difficulty. We can't even focus on you because we feel so distracted. God, I know if we had better self-discipline, maybe we'd be able to focus, but God, we simply can't. So we're asking for you to help us. There's some of us, Lord, right now facing physical ailment that does not need to be anymore. Holy Spirit, would you release your restoration and healing upon everyone that is standing right now. God, for the relational needs, for the spiritual needs, for the emotional needs, for all physical needs, for everything that faces us. That God, you said that your house would be a house of prayer. You said that this place, Bridgeway, you prophetically said to be a place of healing would you pour out abundantly on your children today? And God, I pray that anything that further you want to handle one-on-one, Lord, would be handled at this altar. That even the act of moving forward and walking up for prayer, at that act of faith, you would unleash healing. And God, we would begin to be restored. So would you anoint each and every prayer member? this entire altar that you, Holy Spirit, would dwell richly here and touch your children. God, for all that are not even present in this room that need the healing touch of God, would you, Father, pour out your favor and blessing upon them. May your hand reach down to where they're at and heal them and touch them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time.